From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. The Fortune 500 is the iconic list of large companies in this country. When you've made the Fortune 500, you know you've made the big time. It's a measure of prestige. It says they're big enough to play with the big boys. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Frost. With me, as always, Tony Perenni. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, as always, Podbean. Follow us on Twitter, at FrostyPod. And, Tony, the regular season has come to an end. And now, we're talking about playoffs. That's right, Coach Mora. We're talking playoffs. And we're talking toilet bowl. And without further ado, the opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. So to remind our listeners where what the situations were for our teams. So we had a three-way bubble for that last spot in the toilet bowl. Charlie Thurber needed either Joe or Tony to win. Even if he lost, he was going to be safe. Tony needed Joe to lose, or if they both won, Tony needed to stay ahead of Joe by 20 points. Joe needed Tony to lose and for him to win, or if they both lost, for for Joe to outscore. Which made this week so intriguing, and ultimately it, it held what it was supposed to do and was intriguing to the very end. Joe Reedy able to get the win against Dave Peschen's Super Sack, 133.2 to 128.9. He got that on the back of the Monday night game, which found Seattle going up against Minnesota. Kyle Rudolph gets 15 points, only projected 9.6. And Russell Wilson, although a disappointing game, gets 16.9 and enough to move Joe ahead with 133 points. On Dave's side, he gets a good showing from Tom Brady at 24.3, a good showing from Julian Edelman at 21.9, and Chris Carson comes up with 17.9, but ultimately just not enough there. Tony, what was your reaction to this game? Well, this one kept us going all the way to the finish on Monday night. Uh, Going into the night, Dave had a slight lead. Uh, Joe had Russell Wilson and Kyle Rudolph going while Dave had Chris Carson going. And early on, looked like Carson was going to outpace both guys on Joe's team and that Joe was going to be on the outside looking in. But as the night went on, specifically in that fourth quarter, as both teams started turning the ball over left and right, it led to a lot more red zone opportunities for both teams. And uh, Wilson and Rudolph both took full advantage of it. And it was a Kyle Rudolph touchdown. Uh, late in the fourth quarter that eventually put him ahead for good and punched his ticket to the playoffs. So it's been a very volatile year for Joe's team. Started out super hot, really cooled down, uh, and then kind of jockeyed up and down for the end of the season there. But it finishes on a high note in a big win against division rival Dave Peschen. Knocks Dave down to the number four seed. He could have locked up a number three spot. Um, but outside of that, not not a lot of big implications for Dave on the day. But these two get to see each other right away again this week in the first round of the playoffs. Going over to your game, Tony, you need to outscore Joe and win. Or at least not have Joe outscore you. But unfortunately, you were not able to do so as Tim Tafts, the Green Dragon, takes high score of the week 164.4 to your 110.6 clinching your spot in the toilet bowl josh allen has a good game at 23.5 james white 37.7 just a great showing out of him uh Devontae adams Cortland sutton for tim also in the 20s overall a good game Tony, your team, uh, you know, at 110, not a not a bad week, but not a great week. Cooper Cup gives you 18 and a half. DJ Moore, 19.2. Miles Sanders, 21.5. Just not enough there out of Sam Darnold with only 10 and a half. 
Uh, it would have been better off playing Ryan Tannehill, but it wouldn't have mattered anyways as Tim Tapp just came in kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, Tim saved up all his points for the last week of the season here, and a big win for him keeps him out of the number 10 spot. Uh, much to my chagrin, his team put up nine touchdowns this week, which you would have to add the previous five weeks together to get nine touchdowns out of his team. Uh, just a spectacular effort for him there to keep him out of that dreaded number 10 spot um, and what would have been a, a rematch with my team next week. But James White goes off, puts up almost 40 points. Devontae Adams, who's been heating up lately, puts up 24.4. Cortland Sutton has been basically matchup proof. Uh, regardless of whether he's been on his roster or Kevin's roster, he puts up 23. Josh Allen, also who we got from Kevin, putting up 23.5. Just all-around dominant showing from Tim there and probably the way he would like to be going into the toilet bowl. And on my side, uh, my team could not be more disappointing to end the season. A five-game losing streak. Looked like they had the playoffs wrapped up weeks ago. And then uh, it's been the same story week after week after week. It's just my star players not playing like star players. Aaron Jones, seven points. Alvin Kamara, 12 points. Zach Ertz, five points. Uh, can't get all the guys going at the same time. Results in 110 points showing, 16 points under projection. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, this toilet bowl berth is well-earned by my squad because they have completely melted down down the stretch. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, Tony. You know, all all, all joking aside, you know, I I do enjoy watching your team team lose. But, you know, we were talking about you being in that number one, number two slot. Not it seems like not that long ago, and for you to now be in the toilet bowl, I mean, that's just got to be heartbreaking. It's brutal, and uh, I'm extremely angry at my team. But uh, what are you gonna do? Sometimes uh, it just doesn't go your way for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, middle of the season, uh, I was right about middle of the pack for points scored and points against to end the season second in points against. Uh, I've been getting most teams' best weeks uh, for the last five weeks here, but it hasn't really mattered with how little my team has been putting up at the same time. So it's just been a big swing there. Uh, they definitely deserve to be here. Uh, they've been projected to win nine of the 13 weeks. So it just shows you how much they've underachieved all season long. And uh, definitely not the way I'd want to go into the toilet bowl. And uh, needless to say, I don't have a lot of faith in my team in these next two weeks. Now, Tony, is this your first uh, first time in the toilet bowl under the ACT rule? Uh, no, it would be my second. But the first time, I, at least I had uh, injuries to blame. That was That was the year where I lost my three best players in the first three weeks of the season was just trying to piecemeal together a team for the rest of the, for the last 10 weeks of the season uh, and narrowly avoided the toilet pool this year. Uh, there's no reason for my team to be here, except for they're just not performing as they're supposed to. Well, the good news for you, Tony, is that it looks like you'll be going up against Kalen King squad who only scored 95.7. So if we had a repeat of this week, you would have won. And so you would have avoided the ACT. However, uh, we'll see what happens going into next week, and we'll see who we end up picking in a little bit. But, uh, Tony, uh, I don't know if you can hear the smile on my face to know that you are uh, sharpening pencils, getting ready for that ACT. Uh, outside of having Steve in the, in, the, in the toilet bowl, which would have been preferred, I'm pretty happy you're in there. Soak it up, Derek. Just soak it up. <laughs> In our rematch of the Rocky Top Rumble, Steve Groover's the EBDB BNB gets the better of Charlie Thurber's capital expenditures, 103.4 to 85.2 points. Steve not getting great showings. He gets 22.3 out of Lamar Jackson, not a bad show. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 13.4 and forced to leave the game. Ezekiel Elliott gets his uh, pretty much his projection at 20.7. Um, Stephon Diggs underperforms. Crowder underperforms. Hunter Henry only gets three points. I mean, it, it's just a rough week overall for Steve. But enough because Charlie's team really struggled. Carson Wentz giving him 24. Uh, Leonard Fournette, 18. But a lot of guys here in the single digits and Eagles defense going up against Miami, which you figured would be really a good game. 
and a, a pretty solid showing was projected 7.6 ends up getting him negative one and so steve river taking on the second edition of the rocky top rumble and a little preview for what's going to come this week as these two teams face each other again for the third installment of the rocky top rumble in the playoffs tony what was your feeling of this game well, we get the immediate rematch here, and hopefully it is a lot prettier than this matchup was because this was ugly all the way around. Uh, outside of Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz putting up points for both of them, uh, pretty subpar efforts all the way around. Uh, Steve gets uh, 17 points out of Joe Mixon, who has been largely disappointing most of the season. Zeke puts up right about his projection, 20.7 ends up dealing with a Dalvin Cook injury there that might be worth watching as we go into the playoffs. But the story for Steve, as it has been for most of the season, has been his receivers. Uh, they put up a combined 13 points. Um, it's going to be something to watch going into the playoffs here because uh, he struggled there all year. He's had a hard time finding consistency. And now if he has to deal with a Dalvin Cook injury too, that's going to be something that's going to be difficult to deal with, uh, especially when you get to face your rival back-to-back weeks. Uh, looking at Charlie's team here, uh, gets pretty pedestrian efforts out of Mike Evans and Michael Thomas, which is pretty rare for both of those guys to be held well under the projections like that on the same week. Leonard Fournette doesn't even hit his projection. Um, just just an odd week all the way around for his team. I expect them to bounce back uh, pretty handily next week. Um, and it, it's... It's great for everybody involved, everybody in the league, all of our viewers, that they get to watch this rivalry one more time here uh, with all the stakes involved. In other games here, we have Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems going up against Kaylin King's Prestige Worldwide. And this game had a little on it for who is going to be the seventh place, or I'm sorry, who's going to be the ninth place team or the 10th place team. And surprisingly, Tyler Kerr gets the win here by 20 points, 115.5 to 95.7 over Kalen King's prestige worldwide. And Kalen, after having a pretty decent start to the season, having a pretty good season last year, finds himself in dead last going into the toilet bowl. And you have to imagine he's probably not feeling too good here. No, in, in addition to my team, Kalen's team has been the other coldest team in the league. He's uh, lost eight of his last ten since starting the season two and one. Um, definitely a rough spot for him to be in, just a year away from being in our championship game. Uh, things have really dropped off a cliff for him, and he needs to get it fixed here uh, quickly going into the toilet bowl playoffs here, or he really might end up sitting there for that exam. Uh, he gets zero points from Julio Jones, who ends up not playing at the last minute, and he doesn't have a chance to swap him out. Uh, Nick Chubb doesn't even hit double digits. LaShawn McCoy ends up putting 12 points on the board, which is about what he was projected for, but just underwhelming efforts all the way around uh, for Kalen's team and not enough to beat his in-town rival. Ty getting a big win. He, he seems to get big wins when he needs them. This year, Aaron Rodgers puts up 28 points for him. Uh, he has been very Jekyll Hyde-ish for most of the year, but uh, comes up with a big effort when Ty needed it the most. And, uh, and Ty ends up putting up 115. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he can carry that momentum into the playoffs here. I know he's been a favorite among us for being in that ACT spot for most of the year, but if he can get one more week like this, he'll get himself out of dodge. So um Definitely be interesting watching both these guys next week as they go into week one of the toilet bowl playoffs. In our last game, we had the battle of the number ones as Vince Gorgonzola's grandpa's cheese barn went in to take on Kevin Hulick's the law offices of Saul Goodman. Kevin getting the better of this one, but both teams looking like they had it all wrapped up and not really playing for much. Kevin gets 97.1 to Vince's 80.3. Um, not a whole lot to to really point out here. Both teams pretty uh, disappointing going into that last week of the regular season. Probably looking to rest some guys as they prepare to go in to their bye weeks. Yeah, it it, uh, it feels like uh, like they were both just resting their starters this week, really, with where these scores ended up. It's the lowest point total that Kevin's team has had uh, in in weeks. 
Uh, and then Vince's team was really in danger of losing that buy spot for a lot of Monday night until uh, Joe's team pulled ahead of, ahead of Dave. So they, this this week could look a lot differently for Vince had that had a different outcome. But uh, Kevin holds on for another big win. Uh, this makes seven wins in a row for him. Uh, it's been one hell of an end of the season after uh, a very tumultuous beginning. But I think I think it's worth mentioning now that we have the, the end of season standings here to look at and we can actually look at some of the stats. Very interesting to see. Our, our entire narrative at the beginning of the year was all the points getting scored on Kevin weeks one through six. Uh, when he started out one and five, uh, he had 144 points against his team on average for weeks seven through 13 during his seven game winning streak. Uh, only a hundred points per game being scored against him. He actually ends middle of the pack in points against. So his team kept putting up points down the stretch and, uh, the, the, the points being scored against him really, really regressed hard. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep putting up points like that in the playoffs. Cause as we mentioned before, it's really hard to beat your project projection that many weeks in a row. And this past week he doesn't. So I uh, could probably use the week off here to regroup and make some, uh, make some big moves for, uh, for two weeks from now, when he's going to be back in action. And that'll do it for Opening Bell, presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, Incorporated. As I mentioned last week, Tony and I are taking this show on the road in our Frosty Live Tour. And I'm really excited to announce we've had additional cities added. So already we have Cleveland, Youngstown, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Toronto. We've added a bunch of cities on the West Coast. San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, and we're going to end our tour in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is a must-see show. We're going to be talking all things Fortune 500 League, all things football, and all things that are awesome about the Fantasy Football League. You can get your tickets today at TicketGeek.com slash Frosty. That's TicketGeek.com slash Frosty. And remember, enter promo code TONY. We hope to see you there. Tony, we had some big news coming out of the NFL this week that uh, may have some major fantasy implications and was a little bit surprising when I first read it. Carolina Panther coach Ron Rivera was fired on Tuesday going into week 14 uh you know the the panthers aren't technically mathematically eliminated from the playoffs uh but owner david tepper saying he wanted a culture change wanted new blood and decides to part ways with rivera uh at right now at this point in the season uh, what was your take on that i thought the timing was really weird um and for a coach like him who is as well regarded as he is and who has been very successful in his time with the Panthers. I thought he deserved a little better than being a in-season casualty. Uh, to me, there's only two reasons you ever fire a coach mid-season. One of which is if the situation behind the scenes is just so toxic that he, they need to be removed uh, in order for your team to stay together for the rest of the year. It's kind of similar to what the Browns situation was last season with Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley feuding behind the scenes. Uh, I don't think that was happening here. And the other reason is if you already have a good idea of the person that you want to hire and that person is already available, then you can get a, get a step ahead of somebody and go after them. Um, I'm not sure that's the case here either. So I, I thought Ron, Riverboat Ron, as, he, as he's known in Carolina, uh, deserved a little bit better of an outcome there. But the writing's been on the wall all season for him to, uh, to get, get cut here. Uh, new owner came in last season, and new ownership typically means a lot of changes. Uh, he held off for a year, but you could tell he was starting to get antsy with it. And some, sometimes uh, change is a good thing for an organization. Sometimes the, the leadership at the top and the, the messages being sent down to the players and everything just becomes stale. Kind of similar to Andy Reid in Philadelphia, where both sides just kind of needed to part. Um, 
it kind of just felt all season long like this was headed that direction. I'm, I was just really kind of surprised by the timing of it. And uh, we got to see now, you know, they're, they're not technically mathematically eliminated yet. Perry Fuel, the interim coach, has to come in and uh, hold this together uh, in the coming weeks. And I think the team has been playing really hard lately and has been in a lot of close games, uh, which kind of makes it even more peculiar to me. Yeah, and I get I get the whole thing of you know new owner wants to bring in wants to bring in his guy and you can't really come in and fire a coach after perhaps are having a playoff season like they had back in 2017 but 2018 season no playoffs 2019 looking like no playoffs but at the end of the day I'm with you timing's peculiar because no other team correct me if I'm wrong have, have fired their coaches yet this season so yes you get a jump. I guess on, on somebody who would be out there, but at the end of the day, you're not competing against anybody. I could see if there were one or two teams that have already released coaches and all that. Um, but if you're already talking with somebody behind the scenes, as you, as you alluded to might be going on, then I don't know why you would be in a jump to, to fire the coach unless you're hoping he doesn't have a run here at the end of the season. That makes it a little hard to, for your fan base to, uh, to digest. So, you know, at the end of the day, you had injuries to Cam Newton at the end of last year that, that led to struggles and he's been out all year this year. So we've, we've talked in, in previous podcasts about if, if Cam Newton was even coming back, but at the end of the day, your starting quarterback was out for the season that usually gives coaches an extra year to, of safety when you say, Hey, yeah, but you know, your, your number one quarterback was out. Uh, you can only do so much. You weren't planning on this all off season. Um, but now he's been, that hasn't really been the case. I, I know you have Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in football. And so you're in a win now mentality, but I, I'm just not convinced there's a bunch of coaches out there who can, can bring it, can come in and and start getting those playoffs. You know, Ron Rivera is not that far removed from appearing in a Super Bowl. Not at all. And he had he had four playoff appearances in his nine seasons as coach, which is uh, pretty freaking good, especially in a very competitive NFC as it has been for the last decade. Uh, and it, it's really kind of just mirrored Cam Newton's health. When he's been healthy, the team has been good and has been in playoff contention. And that, that's pretty pretty typical in the NFL. When you're when your franchise quarterback is healthy, uh, you as a coach should be expected to be in the playoff discussion. And he really has for uh, most of his tenure there. So I think I think Carolina's loss here is going to be somebody else's gain. I don't think Rivera is going to be unemployed for very long at all. I think somebody's going to jump on him this offseason and get a very good coach and uh, somebody who is a, a very good leader in the locker room and who can stabilize a situation. Um, go, going back to uh, Carolina here, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, not really sure who out there is available that they might be trying to get a jump on. Maybe it's Mike McCarthy or uh, – somebody else who's been out of the league for a little bit. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me. David Tepper seems like a guy who really wants to uh, make a big splash. If he tries to go after Dabo Sweeney, uh, Sweeney, who is probably starting to run out of accomplishments there at Clemson, but I think he's really going to have to open up the checkbook to, to bring in Sweeney and give him a lot of control. And I'm not sure if that's something he's going to want to do, but that's a name that I would think is going to be at top of mind there just to, geographically where Carolina is located down there. Um, only other coach that's been fired at this point has been Jay Gruden in Washington. And it happened so long ago at this point that it almost seems like it happened last season. Um, there's definitely going to be some more openings out there. Um, I think, I think Carolina's it's going to be one to keep an eye on, but it's going to come down to whether Cam Newton's coming back. And it, it just feels like that entire franchise just wants to reset everything. So it doesn't seem like they want to bring Cam back it seems like they want a fresh start. So uh, fantasy-wise this year, I don't see it having a big, big impact. I think uh, North Turner runs that offense, um, and he's. I think he's going to continue running it the way it's been running uh, for most of the season. So I would still expect Christian McCaffrey to get the touches he's been getting. I would expect Kyle Allen to uh, – 
keep providing the steady quarterback play he's been playing, maybe not spectacularly, but uh, doing enough to keep them in games. But yeah, I, I was really shocked by the timing here. And I think there's a very good coach out on the market for somebody to pick up next year. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's play speculation game here. And, and who do you think that team's going to be? I'm hearing uh, some Cleveland. I'm hearing some New York football giants. Uh, you, you think either of those, or you think that there's a, a third party there? I think he'd be a great fit for a lot of teams out there. I, I, I think he would be a dynamite choice for Cleveland. I'm not convinced that uh, Freddie Kitchens is going to be fired, even if uh, a lot of us think that he probably isn't over his head in that role. Uh, my eye would probably be on the Giants. I think he's somebody who could handle the spotlight there in New York, who isn't going to get too caught up with it, or it's not going to be too big for him. And I think he's the type of leader that they could really use for a young team like that with Daniel Jones and with uh, Saquon Barkley and some of the other young pieces they have around there. I would expect that they're probably going to cut Shermer loose here at the end of the year. Uh, whether that's fair or not, I'm not really sure. Shermer's got, had a lot of pieces to play with for his time there, but uh, I, that would be my guess. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm with you here. I, I don't know what the Browns are going to do. And I don't know if you're Ron Rivera, how you feel about that job. Uh, on one hand, you're like, hey, I got Nick, Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, you have Baker. And depending on how you feel about Baker is whether that's a positive or a negative. So... I don't know if you're on Rivera, if you're even excited about the Cleveland opportunity, but if I'm him, I'm not getting too crazy just yet. I'm going to sit back, wait for, to see what all is open. I think you're obviously going to have Cleveland as an opportunity. You're going to have the giants as an opportunity. You know, what's going to happen with, uh, with Dan Quinn out there in, in Atlanta, this has been a pretty disappointing year for them too. After, you know, it, pretty much expected they were going to be a surefire playoff team so you know what do you what are you thinking if you're if you're Ron Rivera I don't know um, but I think any of those teams would be good I'm he he mentioned in his press conference he's he wants to coach again I expect him to be a head coach in 2020 for sure the question is just going to be where um, but certainly as a Browns fan you'd love to have Ron Rivera there I think he's a guy who has earned the respect of most of most of the, the teams in the league. And uh, I imagine has earned the respect of John Dorsey, but I obviously can't speak for him. Yeah. It just comes down to whether the Browns are going to be married to their mistakes from last year. If they, if they might be in their heads about it at this point where they don't want to uh, get rid of a coach after one year, which a lot of, there's a lot of merit to that. You don't want to, uh, put Baker Mayfield on his fourth coach in the three years that he'll have been in the league going in next year. But at the same time, you also don't want to blow another year on the wrong guy. So they, they're going to have a tough decision on their hands. They should have made the right one to start with and didn't. So they put themselves in this situation. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, going into the offseason here where the best positions are out there. I, I do expect Dan Quinn to get fired in Atlanta outside of his Super Bowl run, which had Kyle Shanahan at offensive coordinator who really spearheaded that, he's won nothing in Atlanta and has been largely disappointing. He fired all of his coordinators last offseason, um, and the team has not improved at all going into this year. So the next shoe to drop there is pretty logically him. Uh, Matt Patricia in Detroit, I think, is a dead man walking. I don't think he ever should have been hired for that job. He seems like somebody who uh, – just trying way too hard to be a Bill Belichick clone and doesn't have any of the clout to merit it. Uh, he's been very disappointing there in Detroit. I think they're going to be looking again. Um, and then Carolina is going to be open. Giants are going to be open. Uh, the Jets say they're not going to be open, but uh, I have to think they're having some buyer's remorse on Adam Gase too, who was also a terrible hire last year. You, you just see a bunch of these situations where they're just in it year after year. And most of them were, were positions that when they were hired initially, you were like, what that guy. Uh, so a lot of them were very predictable. Like you're just in that situation again this year. Tony, Adam Gase was, uh, was great there in Miami. What do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, he was awesome. Just, just awesome. And he's, uh, he's well off to uh, ruining Sam Darnold in, uh, in 
uh, New York the way he tried to do Ryan Tannehill in Miami. And uh, you're seeing right now what Tannehill can do uh, when you actually support him there in Tennessee. He's been a top five quarterback since he took over. But, uh, yeah, Adam Gase is pretty clearly does not know how to use talent. And it'll uh, we'll, we'll see if the Jets stick by their word there and end up bringing him back. They, uh, they should not. But that, there's another – there's another area where a team made a mistake last year. They had Matt Rule from Baylor uh, almost signed up to be their head coach, who I think is a dynamite choice to be a head coach in the NFL. He's a culture changer, uh, very smart coach, very good with the players. Uh, and he would have been perfect there, but they ended up uh, trying to force him to uh, name assistants that they wanted. So basically trying to name his assistants for him, which you don't do in a coaching search. And then you end up uh, left to the altar and stuck with Adam Gase. So uh, we'll see if they're married to that choice as well. Tony, something else that you, you alluded to, and, and we'll kind of segue into this, the whole Freddie Kitchens thing, you know, obviously we have a lot of Browns fans that listen here. You alluded that, that they might, so Freddie Kitchens has been told and it's been said publicly that he's safe for this year. Uh, and that's all well and good. And I think there's a lot of debate out there as to whether he will be and should be released at the end of the year. I hear what you're saying about, you know, you don't want to give uh, Baker his fourth head coach in three years. And, and I'm with you. There's, there's some merit there to that. But I guess what. What coaching change do you think will happen and think should happen uh, with the Browns going into next year? It's it's tough to call right now. My gut tells me that they are not going to change head coach, uh, even though I personally think they should. Uh, I think they're going to make some changes to assistance. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to be stripping Freddie of, of play calling. I, I think that would be a ridiculous move on that part. If that's your play, then just get rid of him. Um, really their, their decision needs to come down this off season to be uh, who do you trust to get this team to the next level moving forward? Even if, even if you just remove um, what happened this year, you know, it, it's all about moving forward. Now you have a track record with Freddie as head coach. Uh, you've been able to see in that building whether there's been growth going on or whether uh, things are still looking about the same on a week to week basis. I think on a small scale that there has been some growth, but I think uh, largely coaching has been the major issue here, um, both from an in-game schematics uh, standpoint and a leadership standpoint, which has been even more glaring in my opinion. Um, to me, I would cut bait. I know how it looks publicly. I know uh, how it's going to be perceived in the media and from uh, the national market out there. Uh, but you really didn't do your due diligence last year in the coaching search. You didn't really open it up. Uh, you, you tried to dictate the Freddie kitchens was going to stay regardless, even for the people that you did interview as head coach. Um, trying to force him as staying as the offensive coordinator. And that you just don't do that when you interview. So I think they really need to open up to the best candidates this year. And John Dorsey needs to bite his pride a little bit. He might need to give up a little bit of control of the final roster, but at the end of the day, you need to get the right guy to lead this team. Somebody's going to challenge Baker. Somebody's going to challenge these players um, and, you know, not be buddy, buddy with them. They need somebody that's going to hold them accountable. Yeah, I think you look around that roster. I mean, that is a that is a good roster, top to bottom. There are some big playmakers. They struggle on the offensive line. We still don't know what Baker Mayfield is, uh, mostly because we don't know if the issues are Baker Mayfield, Freddie Kitchens, the combination of, of both. But we know that what's happening right now isn't working. I, I would be supportive of... High, like kind of forcing Freddie to hire an offensive coordinator because at this point he went from position coach to head coach, calling the plays, being the offensive coordinator. He's taken on on two jobs when he he really may not have been ready for either job. But I'm with you. If you're going to do that, then just go in a different direction. If you're going to change the offense, anyways, then just get the right guy in there, let him pick it 
his own uh, his own squad. So ultimately, I think I think the Browns have enough cover by how bad the team has been discipline wise, penalty wise, record wise, that there's not going to be a whole lot of backlash from anybody if they let Freddie go. Uh, the question is, what backlash will there be from within the locker room? And that, I think, will depend on what's currently going on in the locker room, which obviously we don't know, but Kitchen seems to be a player's guy. So I imagine the players won't be real happy with that. But something's got to give, because this is too talented of a roster to not make the playoffs and look as bad as they've looked all year. Maybe the whole Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph with the helmet thing is a is a turnaround as far as discipline goes. They looked a lot more disciplined against the Steelers this time than they did last time. But at the end of the day, they still lost they still lost the game to a third string quarterback. So I'm not uh, I'm not sure what the right answer is here. I just know that what we're doing now is not it. Yeah, to connect the dots on the two topics there, I think Ron Rivera would be a spectacular choice as head coach, and I think he would be exactly the type of stabilizing force that that locker room needs. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to try and call plays. He's a defensive coach, um, but he would find somebody who would be a good fit for Baker. He's a guy who's going to hold people accountable, um, but also I mean, the players that have played for him love him. So... I think he's a great option out there. I think there's going to be some other good options out there. Uh, it just comes down to whether they want to pull the trigger. But you you bring up a good point with uh, some of the other things that have been going on this year, just some of the stupid off-the-field and uh, disciplinary stuff with the Miles Garrett uh, helmet incident, with Freddie wearing the T-shirt out last week. All seems like little trivial stuff. But um, I, I heard Colin Cowherd say last week uh, – one of his shows and I normally don't agree with him on a lot of stuff but uh, I think it does kind of give the Browns front office an out on this one one year in that there's there's some stuff there that they can point to and just be like uh, look at this stuff we can't we can't tolerate this anymore so I think you might be right there maybe maybe the national media won't be uh, as crazy on them about firing a coach after one year because of stuff like that but um, it's been it's been a hell of a year in Cleveland uh, we expected things to go a lot differently and uh, it's been more of the same here and just a lot more drama. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for our NFL news segment. Stick with us. I know he, he's such a sucker. He, he gave me half a signing bonus. He doesn't even realize that all these sponsors are fake. Hey, Frosty listeners, intern Dave here, a.k.a. Mr. Why Put Any Effort Into Test Prep When You're in the Playoffs, here with another amazing edition of the ABCs of the ACTs. This installment is brought to you by me and my newfound abundance of cash. What's my slogan? Oh, how about uh, win during the regular season and learn how to fast forward through this ad? Uh, so we've got a great question for all the listeners, and well, uh, there's some extra emphasis on four of the listeners, and and just so I put in a little bit of extra effort on my part, let me quickly explain how the English section works. You get five passages to read that include underlined and numbered portions throughout the passage. The questions that follow request the reader to either make a grammatical adjustment to the portion or to select no change as an answer. So here we go, question number three. A, no change, B, robust, C, enduring, or D, vigorous? And the answer is C, enduring. Wow, that was easy, easy for me at least because I don't have to take the ACT. All right, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed the ABCs of the ACTs. Can't wait until the last installment next week. Uh, there's no way it helps you more than this week's question. All right, on with the show. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. Joining us for the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader in credit and banking, is coach of Grandpa's Cheese Barn, who's currently going to be sitting on a bye. Welcome, intern Vince Gorgonzola. Good to have you guys, uh, have me back on the podcast, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, um, looking forward to, you know, um, 
giving some of my insights. Uh, got all these analytics in my head, uh, but I'm gonna probably go off a lot of uh, feeling today. Very good. Now, Vince, you're uh, you're sitting on a bye, man, so you gotta be feeling pretty good this week. You know, it's 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 pretty incredible. I mean, uh, I I did not anticipate I'd be in this position when I uh, when I started the season. I I know that uh, my draft said it was gonna I was gonna perform pretty well, but um, definitely was was not uh, anticipating such a strong um, you know such a strong showing uh, for my team and uh, week in and week out a lot of challenges throughout the year. But it uh, feels good to be sitting here. But I do think that I got quite lucky at the end there. I had, um, you know, basically, um, I was in the the mercy of Dave Peshton uh, at the end there and uh, got lucky with um, with with his uh, his loss. Because uh, if he would have won, he would have been in the bye, sent in the bye week. So um, it just so happened to, that I was actually rooting for Steve for once. <laughs> it doesn't happen often. Uh, but yeah, Dave... Uh... Dave going down and, and probably saving Charlie a spot there. Uh, and instead, of course, we get Tony in the in the toilet bowl, which I'm, as I mentioned, very excited about. So let's kick right into it there, Vince. Now, as we pick these games, and, and to remind our, our viewers and, and obviously our, our, I guess, our listeners, so to remind our listeners and the coaches around the league, the way that ESPN does the toilet bowl is they pin uh, seven versus eight and nine versus 10. Now, obviously in normal tournament style, that's not how we want to do it. So we go off script of what ESPN says for the toilet bowl. So we're going to put number seven nooks and fannies versus number 10 Kalen Kings prestige worldwide. So in that game, we have Tony Perenni's six and seven nooks and fannies projected for 125.1 and Kalen King's four and nine prestige worldwide projected for 118.5. So Tony projected to take this one. Vince, do you see that's that's the way it's going to go? Yeah, I think for sure this one is a, you know, is in Tony's court. He's had a f- far too many games where he's, uh, He's underperformed versus projection. He's, he's, he's just due for a rebound game. And, uh, you know, when I look at Cooper Cup, I mean, it's going to be just uh, uh, an, an incredible matchup, I think, against the Seahawks, just an, an all-out uh, throwing match. Um, and you saw Monday night's game, what an incredible showing of just uh, a lot of offensive prowess. And I, I just really think it's going to continue. Um, and, and Cooper Cup is just bound to finally have a good game. Ertz is going to do everything that he normally does. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the probably the the most interesting pick here uh, from from Tony's team is is Ryan Tannehill, projected at almost 19 points, but it is against the Raiders, so um, you know it's definitely possible for that. But um, I, I really do think that that's going to be uh, a really strong start for for Tony in the toilet bowl. And I mean, you know, for for Kalen, he's got um, g- quite a number of, of players that I just. I mean, the, the best one being Nick Chubb and uh, everybody else pretty much. Um, it's it's questionable for Julio Jones to be playing. Uh, a lot of p- people on his bench are, are either out or questionable. So uh, some of his best receivers, Juju Smith, I mean, A.J. Green still not coming back, even though they thought maybe he'd be back by now. Marlon Mack questionable. So it's really uh, looking bleak for Kalen. And I think uh, he's going to be swirling down um, at least one more level. And he's going to definitely need to get a lot of his pencils ready. You know, I've enjoyed picking against Kalen this year, especially with the the cockiness he brought on to the podcast early in the year when he was looking good and uh, pretty much guaranteed himself a playoff spot. Now he sits in dead last. But I think this might be the week he turns it back on. Like you mentioned, Nick Chubb going up against that Bengals defense, playing at home after the loss they they had against the Steelers I think Nick Chubb's going to have a good game I think Freddie Kitchens is trying everything he can to save his job and to lose against the Bengals will probably be the the nail in the coffin if it isn't already there so I I think I expect a big game real big game out of Nick Chubb the other interesting key here is going to be DK Metcalf Seattle has been rolling and they're going up against the Rams, who who have been a little hot and cold this year. 
but that that rivalry is is, is alive and well. So I trust the Seahawks. I trust Russell Wilson. And therefore, I'm going to trust DK Metcalf on this one. On the flip side here, you got uh, for Tony, Alvin Kamara going up against that San Francisco defense. I don't I don't love that matchup. But otherwise, I think I think Tony's team does pretty well. I think this is going to be a real close game. But I think the the close nod goes over to Kalen King's prestige worldwide, sending Tony into the toilet bowl championship. So, Tony, I know you're not going to pick it, but uh, how are you feeling? You got to be a little nervous. Uh, yeah, I've, I have no faith in my team at this point. How could I? Um, I'm just hoping that they win one of these two weeks so that I never have to talk about them or see them or put them in any lineups ever again. That is my sole goal at this point is to never see them ever again. Uh, I don't like a lot of the matchups on, uh, on Kalen's side. I like mine a little bit more. Um, gee, haven't been there yet this year. Uh, that hasn't mattered at all for me. So yeah, yeah, I'm a little nervous, Derek. <laughs> you know, Kalen is coming off of a sub 100 point game. You're coming off of 110 points. So I mean, I, I do think I th- do think at the end of the day you have the better team coming in here. But uh, you know, I, I think it might be a little wishful thinking. I don't. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't go that way for you. Going into our next game here. The number eight, Tim Taft, the Green Dragon, taking on Tyler Kerr's ninth-ranked Cyberdyne Systems. Both teams come in here at five and eight, but Tim at this point projected to take the win, 124.2 to 110.7. So, Vince, does Tyler Kerr go on to face Tony Perenni in that uh, toilet bowl? You know, I, I'm I'm looking at these two matchups, and they're very interesting to me. Um, it's uh, it, it there's some 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 decent names here. I mean, James White he could potentially have a big day. I really do think there's going to be a bounce back for Tom Brady, and it's going to use James White for a lot of uh, uh, pass passing uh, to the to this running back. And um, I, I think um, you know, I, I think Cortland Sutton's probably overprojected here, but potentially could have a great game against the Texans. But Texans are kind of rolling right now. Um, Austin Hooper, you know, sitting on, uh, on, on Tim's bench right now, potentially able to come back, which could be, um, a big, a big plug in if, if Hooper can come back and, and perform to the numbers that he's, uh, he's done all year, uh, before going out on injury. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, you know, looking fantastic. And, uh, I know it's gonna be a tough matchup against the Redskins, but, uh, I think he can, he can throw all over them and, um, you know, I think Sonny Michelle may not be used as much as uh, James White, but it'll be interesting seeing running back versus running back, uh, and it'll be just feast or famine for both for either one of them. I really think. Um, and I, I, you know, while while we have Ty here sitting sitting with uh, with Robert Woods on the bench, I think that's going to change. Maybe uh, you know, you know, I think he if he plugs Robert Woods in, I think Robert Woods is going to have a uh, a field day as well with Cup, you know, against Seattle. I don't think that's going to be an all-out air, aired-out game. Um, and in, while Ty is projected at only 111, I think Ty is going to come out with this win. That that avatar is just going to explode all over the screen. And uh, and Tim, Tim still has a good, you know, uh, a good couple days before he can swap out the entire roster again uh, with fresh players like he does every single week. So I don't even believe in this 124. I think it's going to be Ty facing Tony in the toilet bowl Super Bowl. You see how I got Vince to change his pick to Tony for the yeah, game before? I, I loved it. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, Vince. Uh, you know, I'm going to go opposite of you here also. I think, uh, you know, Tim's coming off that 164 point showing, and which, which was a kind of an out of body experience there for Tim. Take, you know, with that many points, but I think his guys are going to take that momentum and carry it forward. Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills are real. They're going up against Baltimore. This is their big, big test of the year. I don't think they get the win, but I think Josh Allen has a good game. James White in New England coming in uh, after last week's game, going up against Kansas City. That defense is is pretty bad, so I, I expect good things from them. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to do well. I'm with you on that, <clears throat> which can help Devontae Adams uh, for Tim's team. 
So overall, I uh, I'm going with oh, and you got Cowboys defense against Chicago, so I like that matchup too if he sticks with it. So I like Tim in this one. Tony, uh, who do you think you're going to be facing? I think this one is going to be an ugly one. I think this one's going to be truly fitting of, of the toilet bowl playoffs. I think it's going to be low scoring all the way around. The game could really hinge on those Patriots running backs. Tim has James White going against the Chiefs, and Ty has Sony Michelle. It always comes down to which uh, which running back is Bill going to roll out there on a given night. If it ends up being James White, I think this entire matchup could swing Tim's direction. If it ends up being Sony's and he picks up multiple touchdowns, Ty could be tough to beat. Something to keep in mind here, uh, Tyler Kerr has owned Tim Taft this year. Uh, he's 2-0. and It's been two of his more convincing showings this season, but it is really, really difficult to beat somebody three times in a season. I'm going to go with Tim narrowly here. Devontae Adams is starting to really heat up. Devontae Parker, who has been a top receiver in the league over the last several weeks, going up against a Jets defense that has uh, given up a lot of yards on the back end. I'm going to give the slight nod to Tim. And uh, as we've been projecting for most of the season, I think Ty uh, gets there into that toilet bowl game. All right, let's flip over to the playoffs now. First game, we have, and this is kind of cool, in the playoffs, we have rematches of our week 13 matchup. So first let's talk about Joe Reedy's seven and six footloose prosthetics going in to take on Dave Peschen's also seven and six super sack. Now this will be the third time these two teams played each other. And in both games thus far, Joe Reedy has won, but is projected to lose this week. 130.5 to 116.5. So Vince, who wins this one? Yeah, you know this is definitely a a matchup of uh, of of you know serious uh, titans. I think I know Joe's team um, hasn't performed every week to its fullest potential, but it's still been solid. And Dave's team silently coming back and almost stealing the number one uh, spot for uh, for the sales division. Um, but either way, the sales division has been very tough, and so uh, you know this this is um, either one of these matchups is going to be going to be very very difficult, but. Um, you know, for 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 Joe's team, obviously Russell Wilson, uh, like I've said multiple times, just gonna have an all-out era out match, um, you know, against uh, the Rams. And I think uh, Russell Wilson's been incredibly solid, and he's just gonna come back with a, a very strong game. Um, but you know, looking at at Dave's team, you've got Christian McCaffrey, well, just gonna just gonna be solid. Uh, Tom Brady, I think, is gonna have a rebound week, and. Uh, Landry is just going to have a field day against the Bengals. And, uh, um, you know, it's possible that Russell Wilson does cool down. So um, I, probably one of the things that, um, you know, T- Tyreek Hill posing, a, a, I think, a potential threat here, um, I, I think, uh, you know, against the Patriots, that he might be the, probably the, the, the number one receiver to get a lot of those targets. And um, I, I just really think it all is going to come down to whether Lutz, you know, can score – uh, another 17 points. Um, I really think that Will Lutz is going to actually throw a touchdown. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to see probably 20 points out of him this week. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough to beat the the, the red-hot Dave Peschen. And Pat McAfee will be so proud of you. For the brand, man. Kickers getting touchdowns. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> fake, it's a fake, uh, fake kick. And it's going to go straight to the kicker. <laughs> love it uh i i'm gonna agree with you on this one tom brady is i think projected probably under what i think he can do we've been talking all all year about the patriots just don't look like the patriots offensively all that this is the time of year they turned it on and going up against a kansas city defense that has struggled tom brady currently projected for 17.2 I think this is the game that he really comes back. Christian McCaffrey is going to be the interesting one here with everything going on in Carolina with the Ron Rivera firing and kind of moving some coaches up, up a little bit. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with Christian McCaffrey, but I could say if I were in the coaching position, kind of taking over most of the way through the year, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're, they're effectively eliminated from the playoffs. I'm probably trying to figure out, 
what I have moving forward. Um, and at the end of the day, what I know I have is Christian McCaffrey. So I'm probably going to lean on him a little bit. Uh, probably maybe a little bit more than, than Ron Rivera has been doing, which is hard to believe because Christian McCaffrey is the top ranked uh, running back for fantasy. But going up against that Atlanta team that has been absolutely atrocious, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a big game. Now, they're projecting him to have 28.2 points, so it's hard to say he's going to get a whole lot more than that, but I think that's right about where he's going to be. Jarvis Landry going up against Cincinnati uh, is going to be a pretty good game for him, I think. And then Julian Edelman, if I'm right about Tom Brady, then I'm with you. Julian Edelman is going to have a big game. So I think overall, Dave's team coming in a little too powerful for Joe's footloose prosthetics and third time, third time is going to be the charm for, for Dave here. He's going to get the win. Tony, is this a clean sweep for you? I think this is going to be a clean sweep for me here. Uh, heroic effort by Joe last week to uh, beat Dave in the last week of the season, the engineers end game as Kevin was calling it. Um, I'm not sure he has enough to do it back to back weeks. If we just look at the star players on both sides here, uh, Dave's team Christian McCaffrey going against Atlanta, Melvin Gordon going up against Jacksonville. And as you mentioned, Julian Edelman going up against Kansas city. I think his best players are going to perform like his best players this week. And uh, his team has been really hot lately outside of last week. I think they get back on a roll this week. Uh, Been a great season for Joe. It's been kind of up and down, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Joe got what he wanted out of the season, which is to avoid toilet bowl territory. So um, I'm going with Dave here to avenge last week's uh, last week's game and move on in the playoffs. Our last game here in the playoffs is the tiebreaker for the Rocky Top Rumble. Now, in week five, Charlie Thurber's capital expenditures had the best of Steve Groover's the EBDB BNB 138.1 to 120.8. Week 13, just this past week, Steve got the better of this, but at a much lower score, 103.4 to Charlie Thurber's 85.2. Charlie, very fortunate that Joe got the victory, or he definitely would have been sitting in that toilet bowl, uh, that toilet bowl playoff ranking. In this game, the finale this year of the Rocky Top Rumble, Steve Groover's Eight and five EBDB BNB projected to beat Charlie Thurber's seven and six capital expenditures, 134.8 to 115.7. Vince, Steve has won the championship the last two years. Does he take another step towards the three peat this week? This is a scary matchup, I think. Uh... Um, you know, Steve has a way of, of just knowing how to win week in and week out, whether or not he actually pulls it off. I think he's always uh, threatening of that win. Um, you know, Charlie has been a formidable rookie in the in the year, um, and I think he's proven his place in the league. But, um, I, you know, I, I see that he's got uh, Madison in there only projected at 5.3 points. For Minnesota's running back. And it's I, I just I just. I think that he may, you know, perform a little bit better than that, but just not a lot of strength there um, at, at running back. When you look at the whole grand scheme of thing, nobody really on his bench to to come to come out and play for him in that position either. Um, versus you got Zeke and Cook, and uh, you know, for Steve's team, it's just really, really hard to beat um, on that front. I mean, hit now is wide receivers. Uh, you know, Charlie's got Mike Evans and Michael Thomas, and they had. Michael Thomas had a great week last week. Um, yeah, you know, versus Diggs and Galladay, that's a, a pretty solid um, um, matchup there. And I think you know Charlie wins that that category. But um, Lamar Jackson is just an absolute beast. Um, it's going to be very very tough to uh, you know to outperform in that area. Although I do think that Baker Mayfield is going to put up 70 points, um, all touching touch throw uh, all throwing touchdowns. Uh, maybe one rushing touchdown, but he's, he's going to just light up Cincinnati. Um, and and so what I think is going to happen, though, is that Charlie's going to make a rookie mistake. He's going to bench Baker and put Carson Wentz out there. And Steve is going to get the win. Interesting. They're going against, uh, going 
Going against Charlie, thinking he's going to make the rookie move. But you got to remember, Charlie's not a rookie to fantasy football. And I don't know if he does that. What I do know is Charlie has two of the best receivers in the game at Mike Evans and Michael Thomas. He's got a great running back in Leonard Fournette. And that's about where his highlights stop. We look to the other side. Steve has the number one quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Dude is a touchdown machine. He's on pace for record numbers. Going up against Buffalo, it's a big test. Buffalo's no joke of a team, as I mentioned earlier. So this is going to be a big test for the Ravens. But at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have pretty much handled every test thrown at them. Dalvin Cook, number two running back in the game right now. Ezekiel Elliott, number seven running back in the game. Hunter Henry, number eight tight end. And for the brand, the kicker, Harrison Bucker, number one in the game. I don't foresee Steve dropping this one. Right now, he's got the Panthers defense going up against Atlanta. He's also got the Ravens D sitting there going against Buffalo. I think he sticks with the Panthers defense. Uh, but we'll see now with all this uh, all this shakeup. But at the end of the day, way too much firepower for the EBDB and b And I know we were, we've been down on him throughout the year, but Steve has set up his roster to have a hell of a finish to this season. And I think has positioned himself pretty well for the championship game. Uh, but we'll see what ends up happening. But for now, I'm going to crown him King of Knoxville and the EBDB and b going on to round two. Tony. Well, this is the, the perfect way for this rivalry to end this season. In the first round of the playoffs, uh, they've split both directions. I have projected both games correctly so far in this. Uh, I think this one is going to be one for the ages here. And I think I'm reading the matchups a little bit differently than you guys are here. As far as uh, the Minnesota running backs go, I think uh, Alexander Madison being in the lineup for Charlie here uh, tells you a lot of what his mindset is going into this. And he's assuming Dalvin Cook's not 100% healthy. Um, Cook obviously left the game early last Monday night. Just a couple days ago now, Madison came in and got really the same type of output that Dalvin Cook normally gets. If that happens again this week and Cook doesn't end up playing, right now he's holding that questionable tag. But against Detroit, if I'm Minnesota, I might I might try and sit him for a week and get him right. That That's going to swing those running back points drastically because I think Alexander Madison has a chance to put up Dalvin Cook-like project production in in one or two weeks, uh, maybe not something sustainable, but in a spot start here or there, he can definitely be dynamic. And then um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a rookie mistake, Vince. I, I, I think Baker Mayfield is probably going to get benched for Carson Wentz here. Because in the same same breath, I'm not sure Baker Mayfield's 100% healthy after hitting his hand on a helmet last week. He has not thrown at all in practice this week at this point. Uh, Wentz has a nice matchup against the Giants. I am very intimately knowledgeable of what having Wentz on your team looks like this year. It hasn't been great, but in uh, in my analytic studies uh, that we mentioned a little bit earlier with pro- production versus projections, uh, Carson Wentz is actually 0.1 points off of his projection for the year. So ESPN has really uh, knocked it out of the Carson Wentz all year. He's projected. 18.7 points. I think Charlie has some good matchups here. I think on Lamar Jackson's side and on Baltimore's side, they are coming off a big emotional win at home this past week against the Niners. They have to go on the road to Buffalo where they are extremely tough to play. I think it might be a letdown week for Baltimore. I'm going to go with Charlie to take the third leg of this Rocky Top Rumble and knock his boy Steve out of the playoffs in his first year in the league. That would be great if it happens because we've wanted to see Steve fall. And I can't think of a better person to take him down than Charlie. Uh, And interesting too, as we talk about the Baker Mayfield piece, they're also listing him as having a ribs injury and not sure, you know, we know he took the shot to the ribs a few weeks ago, but I'm not exactly sure what the mechanism of that injury was, but he's he's hurting with both a hand injury and a ribs injury. 
And as of Wednesday night when we're recording this, Baker hasn't thrown since Sunday. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm sure Charlie's going to keep an eye on that. You'd love for Baker to play against Cincinnati because I think he can do well. But at the end of the day, it might be Carson Wentz going up against a very diff- or I guess a very uh, depleted New York Giants. So it'll be interesting to see there. I guess you guys didn't hear the uh, didn't hear the Baker Mayfield press conference today. He was not raised. His mama didn't raise no no. Uh, I think what what he's what he say uh, wussy boy. So I, I think he's gonna get out there and he's gonna play. I don't doubt he gets out there and plays. The question is how how effective can he be? He's gonna be a beast. <laughs> you guys have lost confidence in the Browns. I see. I see how it goes. I never had confidence in the Browns, Vince. Clearly you're not, Vince. You projected him for 70 points. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, 70, 70 uh, and the, most of those throwing. Yeah. I, I also projected That'll... Will Lutz to get a touchdown. I think that one might come true. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, your team and then uh, Kevin Hulick are on a bye. So that'll do it here for the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank the world leader in credit and banking. Vince, thank you for joining us. And uh, I wish you a fun week this week watching some stress-free football. Oh, it's going to feel great. I'm, uh, I'm going to still obviously watch my players, and uh, I'm hoping hoping they just get their rest this week and not, you know, don't really, um, you know, do anything. I'm going to knock on some wood here and make sure that, uh, you know, nobody gets injured. Uh, on my on my on my roster, I've, I've had enough of that. But I'm um, I'm going to sip some pina coladas and Aruba and uh, and really enjoy, um, uh, you know this this bye week. So uh, I appreciate it, guys. And I'll I um, I'm not going to be going to be um, without cell service, you know. Uh, but I will have a satellite TV, so I'll be watching the games. But I will not be able to be reached during this uh, my vacation here. All right, Vince. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. And that'll do it for another episode of the Frosty Podcast. We are presented by Steel Valley Media on behalf of the Fortune 500 League. I'm your host, Derek Frost. Your co-host is Tony Perenni. Special thank you to our interns who joined us, Dave Peschen and Vince Gorgonzola. Those of you who are in the toilet bowl looking at you, Tony, make sure you get those pencils sharpened. Uh, You don't want to miss out on the great sales of the number two pencils as we approach the holiday season. And for those of you who lose this week, be sure to pay close attention to Dave Peschen's ABCs of the ACTs. I will be joining you next week from wonderful and fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And we'll see if we can't get another great coach from our league on the pod. We'll catch you next week. Good luck to those in the playoffs and toilet bowl.